0: You are listening to the podcast from Isaiah Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Yeah, it's that, uh, it's back to school. It's that time of year, isn't it? Where we go back to school, teachers, uh, Parents, kids, homeschool parents, administrators, a whole bunch more folk head back to school at the time of year where the leaves sort of turn, uh, where it's still super hot, where uh, you order your books, where the Friday night lights get turned back on. That's kind of fun, yeah. Uh, college students, you sometimes blindly stumble to find the classroom that guy looked like it got abandoned in the back corner of that building somewhere. It uh, looks like time forgot that room. So, But you go back to school, you know, it's that time of year we knew it was coming but here's my question today why are you there why are you there uh particularly if you were a student today why are you there so in light of that question I like to especially take some time here to talk mostly to our students everybody else you're kind of sort of listening in a little bit there's some stuff for you along the way Uh, but especially I'd like to ask the students today why are you there why'd you go back to school So to answer that question, though, I came up with a little list of my own. How about that? Yeah. Uh, A list of top 10 reasons that you might have answered a question that way or be answering it in your head right now. So if you were to ask yourself, why am I there? Why did I go back to school? Here's what you might say. I got a top 10 list. We'll go through these. You might say, I'm there, number 10, (laughs) because I love it. because I love it. You say, I went back to school because I love school. Morgan, I love studying. I love classes. I love getting the A's. Like even COVID couldn't keep me from the honor roll. And good on you if that's you, right? Number nine, maybe you didn't go back because you love it. You only went back because someone made you. You say, Morgan, someone made me go back. Yeah, like my mom made me, or my dad made me, or uh, my boss made me, or the government made me. Or well, they all made me. <laughs> Either way, I only went back to school because someone made me. Morgan, for me, the best parts of the year are Christmas break and weekends. That's you, son. That's right. I feel you. Number eight, why'd you go back to school? Some of you are saying it's because the cafeteria food is so, so good. <laughs> One little girl in first service said, It's disgusting. <laughs> yes. Uh, was that not true? It's not good? All right. Number seven is because you love saying the word syllabus. It's so fun to say. Say it with me. Syllabus. Syllabus. Yeah, that's right. Why would you go back to school? Some of you might say number six, because who doesn't love recess? Come on, recess. If you're asking that, you're asking the right question. Because adults need recess too. We'd all be way happier. Think about it. If we had recess every day. We'd also be a lot more injured, a lot more trips to the ER and in the hospital, but the happiness we felt from the recess would overcome the unhappiness from the ankle pop. So I think it's an even trade. Number five: Some are saying I went back to school, Morgan, because going back to school is better than another summer day of being pestered by my siblings. Now you just get to be pestered by your friends, so, you know, not much has changed. Number four, you say, I went back to school because I'm secretly amused by watching my mom or dad lose their cool, navigating the no-man's line known as the drop-off pickup line. (laughs) Again, parents, once again, please don't end up on the news uh, for something over the pickup line. All right, number three, you went back to school, you say, Morgan, because I needed more drama in my life. I needed a lot more drama, like who's saying what to who about who and to him in a hallway, yeah, Number two, you say I went back to school because I love my teacher. And I hope that's the case because we love teachers. Come on, teachers, we love teachers. Give him a hand. And I hope that's the case, that would be amazing. And number one reason why you went back to school, you say, Morgan, because any day in class, in person, is better than a day in class on Zoom. That's right, and all the stay at home, work from home parents said, amen. Yeah, for for real though, (laughs) why are you there? Why are you there? Why did you go back to school? Whether it was for one of those reasons or a combo or maybe none of them. At least most of those, they can be good in some way. But again, why are you there? Now, the challenge, let me introduce a little problem here for you. The challenge with all of those reasons that you heard, the little very incomplete list that I made, is that even as real and sincere and meaningful as all of those reasons are, the challenge with them is that they are all, at some level, all centered around you. All centered around you, like your likes, your preferences, your wants and feelings. And again, some of those reasons can be so, so good. And by saying they're centered around you, I don't mean to rob you of any of the joy of those things or shame you in any way. I hope you keep all those things. I just want to add a few more reasons upstream from all of those today. Like a new list of reasons to go to school. They're values, actually, that have way more to do with others and way less to do with you. So here's why this is so important and why I think this is such a big deal to think about and to get And Here's what we're gonna unpack today. It's because a thing done only for the self is ultimately unfulfilling in the end. A thing done only for the self is unfulfilling in the end. It's far less meaningful. It's far less joyful. If you're going back to school, the point is today, just for you, let me encourage you, there's something way better to go back for. Something way more joyful, way more meaningful, something way better. And So let me give you now, on the heels of what you've heard and seen and sung today, your brand new, totally unasked for, top three new reasons why I think you should be there today. So I'm gonna give you these. I, I think, let me just be so bold as I say, these are your new top three reasons for going back to school. And we're gonna see them, the life of someone in Luke chapter three, someone named John the Baptist. Why are you there? We'll go three, two, one. Here we go. Number three, here's this word, mission. You're there for mission. Now, let's define the word right off the top because it can make people understandably super nervous. Christian mission is not taking over. It is not taking back. Mission is not colonizing. It's not forcing someone to submit to you, forcing someone to submit to God. Mission is simply understanding this, that you have been sent to be a witness. You've been sent to be a witness because mission, the word simply means being sent. Mission being sent. Why? Why would we say we're sent? Here's why. It's because the God in the Christ- God in Christianity, God is a sending God. God the Father sent the Son into the world to save us, who sent the Holy Spirit, who has sent the church out into the world not to take something back, to, but to transform everything by being salt and light, another different kind of kingdom. We, therefore, are a sent people, and you are a sent student. You're a sent person. The real question is, Do you know this? Do you know this? Do you live in light of this? Do you understand it? And if you did, what might that look like? Here we go. It might look like this. John the Baptist in Luke chapter three. We're going to read some funny names at first. Here we go. Luke chapter three. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. We know this one, thankfully, right? During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, real quick, sort of an aside here, if you want to know why all these weird names here, why the list is here, it's because Luke, the writer of this, is letting you know this actually happened in human history. Because you don't just drop a year into your document and list your people's names, your leader's names, father's, kid's names, unless you are inviting your audience to fact check you john the baptist the point is was a real person who really lived and there are by the way additional non-christian non-bible sources that reference his life but you'll notice what he did here it says this that he went and he proclaimed he went and he proclaimed john was sent so he went he was sent so he proclaimed and when people ask him well, aren't you here for you? Because you're kind of a big deal, John. People are all coming out of the Jordan. line. It says all of Judea, that's a lot of folks, are coming to hear you preach, coming to watch you baptize. Is it all about you, John? He said, no, no, no. I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. John, uh, are you the one we should be looking for? Uh, you know, are you the one who's been you know, who's from God for us? He said, no, no, no. I'm just a, a person that's not unworthy to untie the sandals of the one who's truly come to save you. See, when people ask him, are you just here for you? Why are you at the Jordan River? He says, I'm just someone with a message. Oh, John knew he wasn't there for himself. He was sent, so he went. Now, what if you saw yourself like this, as being sent on purpose by God, be your university, your high school, your middle school, your classroom? What if you saw yourself, come on, like John the Baptist, not at the center of attention, Oh, but as a voice who pointed people to the real center of all things. A man by the name of C.T. Studd was a famous professional athlete in England, late 19th, early 20th century. He committed his life to mission work in China, in Africa, and India, three continents, led countless people to Christ, and wrote this little poem, Become sort of famous. It's called, Only What's Done for Christ Last. Here's a verse from it. It says, Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Would you read those last two lines out loud with me? Say this Only one life, twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah, why are you there number one you've been sent but you're not just sent to a place you're also called to be something unique while you're there you're called to be this number two called here's the word to be holy holy or to holiness and before you think of this point is like where it gets weird or if you think this is the part where I, I tell you not to watch stuff or listen to stuff well that might need to happen that's not what holiness is first what is holiness all right Did you know that before, way before God ever looked at you and me and us and called us to be holy, he said the same thing, ready, about a bunch of spoons and candlesticks. Centuries before this, before John the Baptist and God's people were coming out of slavery in Egypt. You know the whole Moses story. They followed him around in the desert. They were learning how to be a people sent to the world. Learning how to be a, a people as a light to the nations. They set up in the desert a little tent. It was called a tabernacle. Inside were some physical objects that helped them connect to God and reminded them of how to worship him. They had some candlesticks. They had some spoons. And God looked at all of that stuff and said, those are holy to me. Now, that's kind of strange. Like, God, you're saying that we got some holy spoons. How can a spoon be holy? And here's why. Because if holiness is only about morality, only about do's and don'ts, then it can't be holy. After all, a spoon isn't a moral agent, it can't lie or cheat or steal. But God still said the spoon is holy. Why? It shows us this. Because to be holy, it means to be set apart. For the purposes of God. Let's say it again. To be holy means to be set apart for the purposes of God. And therefore, holiness is an inward aim in humans that shows up, sure, in outward behavior. But it's not just outward behavior. Didn't Jesus Christ super critique people who only look good on the outside? Yes. No, holiness is being set apart for the purposes of God on the inside, which leads to you looking different on the outside. And that's why John the Baptist called people to do something like this. Chapter 3, verse 3. And he went, because he was sent, into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You say, well, why baptism? Well, think about it. In a way, water baptism is the ultimate sign of holiness. What it means to be set apart for the purposes of God, because when a person is water baptized, that's you, you've been water baptized, is what you've said. You said, I belong to God. I exist for Him first. This is why I look this way, this is why I live this way. I'm being set apart in this moment for a lifetime of the purposes of God. And of course, some of you know this all too well. This just may cost you with your friends. Mm -hmm. Adults may cost us sometimes with our our coworkers. As a freshman in college, I fully committed my life to Jesus as a, a freshman on the baseball team. And my teammates did not like it at all because it partially confused them, partially angered them. It confused them because on the outside, they thought I looked pretty good already. As in, I didn't curse, uh, I didn't didn't drink, I looked good on the outside, but inside I was a total mess. So when I invited them to my water baptism, a bunch of baseball dudes in a locker room, they said, why are you getting baptized? I said, it's because I've become a Christian. I'm serving Jesus. They said, we thought you already were. But I had never responded to God's call to be set apart for his purposes. Everything had been set apart for the purposes of Morgan, but not for the purposes of God. So, they were confused at first, and then they were angry later because when I wouldn't speak like them, act like them, go to the places and spaces and clubs that they went, I became this outsider, mocked endlessly, man, eaten all alone on road trips. It's super sad, you know. But later, thankfully, I had a teammate who came to Christ came to Jesus, and he came back, and he apologized for how he treated me. It's always nice when you can get it right. Through tears, he said, you were right. I was wrong. I love you, man. Quote, unquote. Now, of course, all of it was worth it, but it was all painful as well, because when you're set apart, you just might look different. So why are you there? Why are you back in school? First, you're on a a mission to serve. You're there to be holy, set apart for God's purposes. And three, though, most of all, you're there for this word, this love. It's this verb. It's an experience. It's the word love. As Christians, why we say this is because we believe. We believe that our God is three in one, don't we? Uh, three persons in one God. Blessed Trinity, the Him says, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if God has three in one, if he created all things, which he did, that begs the question, lots of people have asked, well, what was God doing all that time before he created? Was he bored? Was he lonely? Was he just wanting to like show off something? No, the answer is he was loving. He was loving. God the Father, loving the Son, loving the Spirit, loving back the Father. This is why the Bible says that God is not just loving, oh no, but that God is love. Love in himself, which means when he created the world, he did not do it from an act of power because he wanted subjects to rule over. He didn't create us out of a need to be loved. He had been loved by perfect persons for forever. Didn't need us. Nor because he was lonely. No. He created us because love longs to share what it's experienced with another. God wanted to bring us into himself, you say, that sounds weird. (laughs) That sounds kind of mystical. No, I say, that's amazing. That actually explains why I feel the way I do when I act the way I act sometimes. It explains why. When I do a thing only for myself, I'm ultimately unfulfilled. Because at that moment, I'm going against the very grain of the universe, C.S. Lewis, for example, thought about all of this. And he asked the question, when Jesus Christ came to the world and did what he did with his set-apart holy mission, how was he able to do what he did on the cross when he did it? Hmm? That's amazing. How did he suffer like he suffered? How could he do that? His answer, he thought about it and he said, it's because of the Trinity, because of who God is. Jesus could love us on the cross then. He could give away sacrificial love on the cross then because he had always and forever, infinitely been giving away sacrificial, costly, divine love. And C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, In self-giving, if anywhere, we touch a rhythm of all creation and all being, For the eternal word, that's Jesus, gives himself in mortal sacrifice, and that not only on Calvary. For when he was crucified on Calvary, he did that in the wild weather of his outlying provinces, that's on earth, what he had done at home, that's heaven, in glory and gladness from before the foundation of the world. Christ surrenders begotten deity back to begetting deity in obedience. And as the Son glorifies the Father, So also the Father glorifies the Son. He's saying, listen, when you give love away, when we give God's holy love away, we're going with the grain of the universe because God's love is different. It's unique. It's not like humans love each other. It's a holy love. And that's why, again, by the way, any conversation about holiness that doesn't have the love of God right there isn't really holiness it's just spiritual beat upism, up ism you know. Uh, it's just like, it's just beat 'em up, making people feel bad. And any conversation about love that doesn't have holiness right there isn't really God's love. It's just a feel-good spirituality where I am still God, and God's like a Build-A-Bear. Remember those things, you go to the mall. You put it together yourself. You put it up on the shelf when you don't want it. You take it down when you do want it, but when it starts talking to you, that gets kind of weird about stuff that you don't want to hear about. You put it back up on the shelf, but that's not God's love. No, God is, as Wesleyan theologians put it, only holy love. Only holy love, and when Jesus came into the world, and he's getting started on his big holy mission plan, you know what he did first? He got water baptized. It was a sign. He was set apart for the purposes of God. You know what happened at his baptism? Verse 21, this says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. You see this? The more Jesus set himself apart, the more he got the voice. The more he got the love of God experiencing see holiness, mission, love. They're all interconnected. It's why you are there. It's why we go back to basics when we go back to school. Let me tell you this story, kind of try to put it all together. Perhaps you've heard me tell it before, but I think it bears repeating. About a decade ago now, I heard a report from a pastor's group I'm a part of in the city, and the report went like this. It said that the superintendent of Austin ISD was asked this question. AISD superintendent was asked, what's the best way to help our public schools? And the answer came back, become a mentor with an at-risk child. Now, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago at Mosaic, I made a call for mentors this coming year. Let me tell you some good news. So many of you responded in that moment, RRISD, Round Rock School Independent School District, looked at that numbers we had and said, actually, we're going to make Mosaic our training spot this year. So now it's become open to the public, and next week we'll have folks from the outside coming here, of course, they're so welcome. But, the, the, of course, this is important because if a child can't learn to read by third grade, they can get on a trajectory to trouble because low literacy rates and incarceration rates go hand in hand. So I pick up a phone and I call the elementary school closest to us over here, Live Oak, and I asked to speak to the counselor and I told her who I was. I'm this pastor from this church down the street and told her we'd like to begin a mentoring program at her school and she kind of gave me the side eye at first. Like, who are you? What do you really want? And so I said, listen, we don't really want anything other than what we really want to do is to serve you and mentor your kids, if you'll let us. And so uh, myself and a few of our staff and some folks here got on that first mentor bus, and we were matched with a child. And I had one boy the first year, then he moved away. And then the next year, I was available to mentor a new child. And so one day, the counselor called me with a potential match. We have a first-grade boy, she said, and his name is Stephen. Stephen is six years old. He's from a different ethnic background than you, socioeconomic background, and his father just passed away last week in front of him one morning, dropped dead before school started. Could you get in here and mentor him? Of course, I said yes, and began a relationship with Stephen over the next eight years that would change both our lives. And at first, we just played with Play-Doh, and then I brought in the Legos, and right then, the, about then, the counselor said, oh, listen, he's struggling to read. All his test scores are really low. Do you think you could help him with that? And so, by God's grace, my own mother had been a middle school reading teacher and librarian for 35 years. And I know that one of the biggest and best ways to build reading comprehension is simply to read to a child. It's an, it's an acquired skill, but it's a big part of learning to read. And so I knew then what I wanted to read to him. I wanted to read him The Hobbit, my favorite children's book. So I brought in at first some Hobbit Legos my kids had, totally to bait him, to get him going in the world. Then I asked him if he wanted to read the book, The Hobbit, and he said, no, I actually would not want to read the book, The Hobbit. So I said, I really did this, I dropped my voice in the moment. I said, so you're telling me you wouldn't want to read a book about a world where... there's a wizard with extraordinary powers who goes on an epic quest across the world with some hobbits and some dwarves to you know, fight goblins and wolves and reclaim a long lost treasure from a fire-breathing dragon. You probably wouldn't want to read a book like that, would you? And he said, I would, I would, I would. Please read it to me. So week by week for the next few years, we actually worked our way through the book. His reading comprehension began to grow until by the time he finished elementary school, he scored in the top Tier of reading comprehension on the statewide test. And he was the second best reader in his class. Yeah, teacher said. And when his teacher, before he finished elementary school, asked him to write a paper, the assignment was to write a paper about a reliable friend in his life, he wrote it about me. And this is what he wrote. Got a picture of it. He said, I think a reliable friend is an important part of the world. I have a friend that I look forward to seeing him on Fridays. An amazing fact is I have known him for four years. Mr. Morgan and I play catch from time to time in the gym. This makes me feel special because he takes the time from his day to spend time with me. Another reason Mr. Morgan is a special friend is because during lunch, he reads The Hobbit to me. I enjoy this because The Hobbit is my favorite book. (laughs) Mission accomplished, you know. Furthermore, we discuss what is going on in the week, like how I feel. And he feels he comes every week just for me. I hope and I wish that everybody had a reliable friend like Mr. Morgan and I. And he went on to middle school. I followed him there every week to middle school, playing catch, checkers, homework, watching him grow, making A's, playing three sports. And yeah, while I may have helped Steve, and the truth is, he helped me. He helped me. Here's what he helped me do: he helped me feel and experience the love of God, like perhaps in a way I never had before. When I drove to that campus, week after week, I'd tear up in the parking lot, feeling nearer to the heart of God than maybe at any other time during my week. Because as we go, as we're sent, as we set ourselves apart for God's purposes, guess what we get to feel? We get to hear the voice. I love you. I'm with you. You're my beloved child. Give that away to the world. See, we experience love. We give it away. So... What are you going back to school for? Hmm? What are you going back for? Why are you there? Let me summarize it like this. You have been sent to give away God's holy love. Would you say that with me now? You, I say I, I have been sent to give away God's holy love. Let me take a moment and pray for you. God, I thank you today for every person in here, or all our three services. Or I'm praying, whether we're a parent in that home, Lord, in, in, in the business place, in the classroom, Lord, we would remember we've been sent. We're not there by accident. You have real purposes for us. Help us to set ourselves apart for those. And as we go, Lord, I pray we would have the deepest sense of your affection and your love upon us this year. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Listen, before we we turn our attention toward our final moment here, I want to ask, actually, if all of our, if anyone here in the room, even if you're online, if you're a student, if you're a teacher, uh, if you're a homeschool parent, you're an administrator, coach, whoever, you're involved in education in some way, even if I didn't name specifically your role, I'm talking to you, would you stand on your feet right now? We're going to cheer for you, bless you, and pray for you. Thank you for doing that. Go ahead and stand on your feet, students and parents and teachers and all that so look at this this is such a big part of our community we got to get this right lord i thank you for these we bless them and honor them in jesus name we cheer for them may they go with the deepest sense of your mission of being sent may they go with a a call to be holy and unique and different lord and show people that the way of jesus is better and may they go most of all with your love in their hearts you bless them protect them keep them it's never been more challenging perhaps to be a student involved in education right now we know this and we thank you for them god in jesus name we bless them amen thanks for listening for more info about how to get and stay connected to mosaic church please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store